If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas, and thanks once again for listening to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. Hello. Each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Today, Will and I will be hosting a roundtable where we will be discussing the current state of Asians in the film and television industry. We're going to follow that up with a review of two films. First is a review of the film to all the boys I've loved before. And then right after, (laughs) right after. Yes, you're not sorry, but you admit you like the films. (laughs) Uh, We'll discuss that later. Yes. And then we're also going to be reviewing its sequel to all the boys part two. P.S. I still love you. Now, I want to go ahead and introduce the uh, persons that will be joining us for the roundtable. First off is filmmaker Steve O'Chang. He's been with us before, offering whoop his whoop. his wise thoughts and sage advice and his many insights. So thanks for joining us once again, Steve-O. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the next person joining the roundtable is fellow talented filmmaker, um, one of my closest friends, one of my groomsmen, my former writing partner, actually, and one of the nicest guys I know, Mr. Andrew O. Ride or die. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me on. Now, I'm so happy to see all your guys' faces because I've just been seeing the faces of my family for the last three or four days, which is great. (laughs) If I had to be quarantined, I wouldn't want to be quarantined with anybody else. You saw my my face. Yes, I did see your face. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm trying to no. block that from memory, though. Oh, oh, that's what you're trying to <laughs> no, say. I, I always yeah, love I seeing did. your face, Will. But I mean, you didn't uh, say it. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I didn't know you're so sensitive, Will. No, I need well. I need to encourage you more. Thank but anyway, you. it's not about you. Stop making this about you, man. It's okay, about sorry. It's about Stevo and Andrew, right, guys? Yes. 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 yes of it course. Is. Yes. Anyway, it I makes me so happy. Guests. It makes me so happy to have all of you guys on my computer screen right now. We are recording this virtually because we are trying to flatten the curve, uh, as, as the, the many people are saying out there. So uh, I was really looking forward to, to this for a while, simply because it's just an opportunity to get away from all the stuff that we've been looking at on our TVs and our phones. And I kind of wanted to just start off by asking you guys, what are you guys doing to stay busy? First, steve what have you been doing? Uh, working. <laughs> ah. I've been oh, doing a lot of remote work. Nice. Um, we've been trying to uh, set up a uh, remote editing s- uh, studio uh, through, um, I guess they want to run like a live supervised edit session with like, uh-huh. the uh, ad agency uh, creative execs and whatnot. And so um, we've been trying to like figure out a way to do that. Okay. So that's what we've been doing. Got it. So you guys are kind of getting this set up for the long haul in case you guys have to be working remote for a while. Is that it? Yeah, actually, we tried it yesterday. It failed. I had to go in today. But okay. <laughs> I'm working on some mm-hmm. Adobe projects, some Google stuff, and another round of that uh, Truth Anti-Vaping TV campaign. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Nice, it, it, nice. Yeah, it sounds busy, but uh, a little stressful. But, you know, I think it's safe to say I think we're all happy to be working right now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Feeling yeah. really blessed with that. I did what did you set up, actually, on your Insta story? It looked pretty rad, dude. Nice and, like... <laughs> Simple. Yeah, except it didn't work. So uh, they're renting me like a iMac Pro, all souped up. Yeah. So that's being delivered tomorrow morning. Wow. And then we'll nice. see. Yeah, I don't have a desk, so that's why I got that weird table thing. Got oh, it. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. What have you been watching these days? Have you had time to watch anything with all the stuff going on? I'm trying to think. I um, like a couple of weeks ago, I was able to watch a bunch of stuff. I watched um, Lock and Key 
like TV series. Uh-huh. Uh, finally saw The Mandalorian, Baby Yoda Rules. Okay. Um, that's the only thing that rules about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything else. I feel like I have. Oh, I saw Jojo Rabbit again hmm. for the fourth time. It's a good movie. <laughs> now, uh, okay. yeah. I, I have to ask you this question, Steve-O. The last time we talked about Jojo Rabbit, um, it was right after... Uh, you saw this film with me and Will. I could have sworn you had a few tears in your eyes at the end of the film. I couldn't tell if, if they were real or not. Were, were you a little teary-eyed as we were coming out? Every time. Every time? Okay. Every time, So, yeah. so was I'm not, I, to I'm be not ashamed honest. to admit it. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, I cry. I cried during that movie, too. So Yeah. Just yeah. just wanted to, to, to ask you. I was so curious. <laughs> <laughs> real men are not afraid to show their emotions. Real men cry. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> I cry a lot. <laughs> how about you andrew what have you been doing to stay busy and what have you been watching uh pretty much um my two girls have been keeping me very busy uh, uh one is four and one is almost one so wow. uh wow. having them both at home at the same time it's been pretty crazy but um at the same time it's been incredibly magical hmm. uh, i think you know we'll look back on this time and say like wow we had a chance to to all experience this together kind of locked up at home and uh yeah. i think it'll be i think it'll be pretty special when we look back on it just the time that we spent together as, with family yeah i think so yeah, too sure. yeah it's been uh, yeah. it's crazy now but <laughs> it's been frustrating like... <laughs> yet somewhat uh, like very yeah. enlightening you know yeah yes i've always wanted to experience a pandemic it's great to know that having children during a pandemic calms things down <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the next time I'll, I'll be ready for that exactly <laughs> What's crazy yeah. is one of my uh, my my good friends just gave birth a couple of days ago, and another one is wow. going in for to deliver like um, early April. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of like um, wow. like in The Walking Dead. You know, you're giving yeah. birth in this crazy, yeah, insane time. So yeah. it, it, in a weird kind of way, it, it feels a little like that, unfortunately. Yeah. But, mm. yeah. but um, it's like cool, but it's yeah. not cool. Yeah. But it's, when it's you like, think about it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a quiet yeah. place, but you can make noises, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, man. But, but I've I've actually been watching The Outsider on uh, HBO, Hmm. and uh, it's um it's really really well done. Um, The acting is incredible. The directing is great. The cinematography is great. Um, Super creepy. Hmm. Um, You know, it's I think I think it's based off of um, Stephen King. I think it is a novel. Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been really fun to watch. Um, nice. It's cool. it's weird because you know we're so used to instant gratification with Netflix and being able to stream things and watch the entire thing in two days, but um, it definitely takes some patience. Now we're so used to that to wait a week for an episode. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, but it's been it's great. You guys should check it out if you haven't yeah, seen it. I think I will check that out. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. on my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, will, what have you been doing? Uh, you know. Slept in longer than normal for the past couple of days. I think, what would you consider quarantine day two? I mean, for me, I guess. I was literally home the last two days and just trying to keep productive. But uh, today, no, I I had my girlfriend over. We watched uh, two films uh, while she was here. We watched Julie and Julia. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great film. I enjoyed watching that. And then we actually watched another cooking film called, um, oh my gosh, I totally forgot it now. It's the one with Helen Mirren. Uh, hundred feet. Or the hundred years. Yeah. Um, I think I know. Oh, I hundred hundred foot journey yeah. or something like that. It's yeah. a hundred foot journey. Yeah, but it's about like the family yeah, right? from Mumbai, Mumbai, India. Yeah. That 
has their restaurant like burned down and then they have to yeah. move so they moved to france and they are right mm -hmm. across the street from like a one michelin star restaurant that helen mirren mm -hmm. basically operates and then they mm -hmm. uh open up an indian restaurant right across the street and she's trying to like <laughs> shut them down and it was really good actually cool so, yeah I, I like that movie a lot too were you yeah. guys maintaining a six foot distance will i hope you were uh i plead the fifth uh Ooh. <laughs> yes mm. I, we were say we were not stop it myron <laughs> <laughs> we were pg pg or, or oh. g g g is that g that's so yes. boring give us some <laughs> so boring. just kidding i can never win with you myron i know <laughs> that, all right that then what about true. you huh what about you all right enough about me what have I been doing to stay busy? Um, I have been uh, working steadily, which is great. I mean, so my, my department, every morning we do a 9 a.m. stand-up where we all kind of get in front of each other. We turn the cameras on so we have to see each other, which I'm kind of glad we are doing that because if we weren't, then I don't think I would be like getting up, brushing my teeth and showering or changing my shirt. This has forced <laughs> me to stay productive and to stick to a routine. So that that's that's good. And I'm just fortunate to you know, have steady work right now. Um, in terms of what I'm watching, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, my wife and I, last night we watched Bombshell. The night before, we watched the um, To All the Boys movies back-to-back, -back, getting ready for uh, this podcast. But, uh, yeah, this, this time has been, like I said, maddening yet strangely enlightening. And uh, mm -hmm. I feel like I want it to end, but I want it to go on forever. So, yeah, it's interesting how we're all going to look back at it. And I wonder if, like, you know, Andrew, I wonder if our kids will, will remember this. And I kind of want them yeah. to, but I kind of don't. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to ask you guys, uh, this has been hitting the film industry really hard. The coronavirus has been. Uh, theaters are shut down here in California. And uh, big tentpole movies are being delayed. Mulan doesn't have a release date. Neither does A Quiet Place. And um, No Time to Die has been pushed all the way to the end of the year. Now, my question is, will the film industry recover? And uh, if so, will the method through which we watch content, will that permanently change? You know, I think um, they're going to have to explore, I think, certain uh, dis new distribution methods because right now they're, they're just, everyone's losing so much money. They have all of this content and they're not able to monetize it. And I think in the last episode, you talked about how AMC um, has a streaming service, maybe you know how like those distributors or ex ex exhibitors have kind of like the first right of play. Maybe they could just do that through streaming. So Netflix has an exclusive or not Netflix, um, like AMC would have the exclusive streaming rights for the first, you know, three weeks or something like mm -hmm. that. And then it, yeah. and then maybe they could open up it up to like pay-per-view or, um, but I feel like they need to because people are actually hungry for new content. And um, yeah. uh, I, th I think, they, they should try to monetize it somehow. You know, I think we've talked about this, Myron, where we've seen amazing films, right? Made for such a low budget. And, and then it just blows up, right? Because it's about the story and how amazing it is. I feel like when it comes to the film industry, it's always kind of focusing on how much money can we put into this to make sure that we get this much more money back and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. To me, it's just, let's, I don't know. My, my, my mentality is films will always be created. And, and I think that in terms of technology, streaming services, is where I truly do believe it's going to be heading more towards, right? To kind of just leverage, you know, what is starting to slowly decrease, which is which are movie theaters, I guess, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And because even, you know, televisions and surround sand, those things are just so much more 
accessible dude when i went to when i went to best buy like a 65 75 inch like samsung tv was like going for like 700 bucks and i was like oh my gosh like you can literally just have a theater in your room now or, yeah. or in your home and and it's just kind of seen to be inevitable where in the movie industry is going to have to um, switch it up that way, you know. Mm. Going along with uh, that same topic here, um, Universal uh, announced that uh, a couple of their movies that were just released into theaters, one of them being The Invisible Man, which was successful so far, is coming to streaming on Friday. Also, the new Trolls movie, and also a movie uh, starring Hilary Swank, which is, I believe is called The Hunted. Um, that's all coming on Friday. Um, is this something that we can expect from other studios during the next, I don't know, one to two months? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Not sure if either it's one to two months, but you know what you're just telling me right now is like it's happening and yeah. and it's going to happen uh, regardless. I mean, whether it's sooner or later, like it is going to lead towards that way. Yeah. And I'm OK with that. For me, I am. I'm OK with that because it's <laughs> we can't we can't slow down the technology that we've created, like what we're mm-hmm. creating and we can't slow down just how, you know, how cheap it's getting too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what I think is yeah. going to happen is, um, I think the larger tentpole movies, like there's no way that a James Bond movie that was just shot for, I don't know, hundred, $200 million. There's no way they're going to re- recoup their earnings if they just release it straight to digital or streaming. But if a movie was made for, I don't know, let's say 20 to 30 million, I think it's very easy mm-hmm. for that uh, movie to make its money back. I remember when the interview came out um, with uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen, I believe mm-hmm. they said that grossed like $50 million just from streaming. So what I think is going to happen is I feel like this whole virus is going to just kind of ramp up the speed at which this happens. But I think the tentpole movies will still come out in the theaters and maybe they'll charge more. But I feel like a lot of the smaller movies, it's going to just go straight to streaming. Either that or it might be released in the theater for like a month and then come to streaming right after. I don't but, know. Yeah, but I, I think the interview is an exception only because uh, they created a lot of buzz and a lot of controversy yeah. among North Korea. So if you get something like that to hit like the the news and the media, oh yeah, people are gonna be like, oh, they can't show it in theaters because it's offensive or or you know there's too much. It, it it may it may cause political tension. People are gonna be like, oh, screw North Korea. I want to watch it then. I want to you know watch yeah. it because we can kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think if yeah, there's they a call good, that unpaid media. So it's basically yeah. like um. Uh, what's called impressions so whenever someone picks it up it's like free free press yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly and i have to agree like um i think uh the temple stuff i could see them pushing that out because to your point they spent like hundreds of millions of dollars on that not only that but to actually roll out a film successfully nationwide it's like over 50 million dollars mm-hmm. just in marketing fees to get a movie out and so i think the movies that they'll put, probably show through the summer will be the the um i guess smaller budgeted films maybe but at the same time you know, depending on the type of project it is, and you know, they'll they'll do their cost analysis. Uh, if kids are locked up during the summer, they they're gonna want to do something. They're gonna have to see something, and it could be an opportunity to, you know, uh, showcase the the temple films during the summer. It just depends. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, got I, it. Yeah. I totally agree with you guys, um, and I think, like you said, for a big temple movie, I think pushing it makes the most sense, because I think again, people have been cooped up in their homes for two three months and i think they're literally going to go to the theaters and droves once everything kind of clears up and i think again that's um what they're banking on i think by holding out on some of these bigger names so i totally agree with you martin i think some of the smaller to maybe even medium-sized studio films will probably find their way uh, on streaming platforms much quicker but i think you're absolutely right i think um 
the, uh, the, the concession revenue, the, you know, the theaters and all of that stuff. I think they, they need to run those, uh, those distribution, um, or they need to run that course in order to recoup some of those big, those big yeah. budget movies back. Yeah. Mm. Some of the money back. Uh, I'm more interested in like, you know, South by Southwest shutting down, Cotton Film Festival shutting down for the first time. I'm really curious to see how that affects things, you know, because if you mm. had a film that got accepted and was going to premiere there, what happens now? Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. wait a whole yeah. year? Like, the, like if a film doesn't have distribution? And it, uh, and yeah, like it. if your film can't premiere at South by anymore, if it can't premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, all these tend to tie into schedules for, um, you know, like independent films. Like, look at Parasite. It won the Palme du Jour at the Cannes Film Festival. Without that mm -hmm. big win, I don't know if it could have had the legs to, to win the Oscars. Hmm. Agreed. That's an interesting yeah, point. That's a great point. Yeah, and no one's really spoken about that, have they, in terms of what's going to happen to these films? Yeah, they've just been so uh, wrapped up with just the the virus happening right now that, yeah, mm -hmm. no one's really discussed that. Yeah. I, I guess they're going to have to uh, um, push some of the, the films that we're going to premiere at these festivals to next season or next year. Um, and I think... It, it sucks because there's going to be a new slate of films that come in for that year. But again, mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, a lot of shutdowns are happening now across the uh, the country in terms of film production. So maybe the yeah. slate of films that are submitted will be a little lighter, but I totally agree. They're going to have to figure out how to showcase and exhibit all the films that were accepted. Um, and, and then also juggle that with the new films. But it really sucks because some of these films now have to wait an entire year to, because, you know, if it's like a big, you know, world premiere, a lot of those films get sold at those big venues like Sundance and Con and stuff like that. So yeah, that's a really great point. And it's really tough for a lot of small filmmakers, I think. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these movies just went straight to streaming, you know, and yeah. just it didn't get yeah. you know, a big chance to be playing the theaters or anything like that. All right. It'll be interesting to see what happens to see if any of our predictions come true. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But luckily for all of us, we're in the age of streaming. So there's a lot of great content out there that is just a few clicks away right on our television. So uh, we wanted to give you a quick look at some of the episodes coming up next. Uh, next week, we will be, Will and I will be reviewing uh, the two Safdie Brothers movies that just came out. Uh, most recently, Uncut Gems, starring Adam Sandler, and then their previous film, Good Time, starring Rob Pattinson. And we're going to follow that up with a look at our top five original scores of the decade from 2010 through 2019. Why scores, you may ask? Well, Will's good friend, composer Julian Cisneros, will be joining us for the review, as well as the top five list. So we're really looking forward to that. Immediately following, uh, the week after, we will be what I like to call is our Malik twofer. We're going to look back at is what is in my opinion, in my opinion, one of his best films tree of life. And then we're going to be reviewing uh, a recent movie that just hit streaming a hidden life. And then the week after that, will is I'm sure excited about this one. We're going to be reviewing kingdom season one and two after making him watch to all the boys parts one and two. I, I felt like I owed him <laughs> one to uh, review something that he really, really loved and told me about. So looking forward to that. And just for the record, that surprised me. That that series literally did surprise me because yeah. I was, you know, like I said, I'm not into like Korean series and whatnot, but this one was like, what the F? This is incredible. Yeah. Have you guys seen this, this show? No, not yet. No? How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm halfway through the first season. Okay. And you really like it good. so far? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. Dude, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was introduced to this by my Caucasian friend. So he loves zombies. <laughs> You're a cock Asian. But it's like they. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I love yes. how they uh, they 
they not only took the zombie genre, but they also mashed it with the the vampire genre. Because like you know, yeah. they whoa, can't... whoa, whoa, whoa! Maybe. Hey, really? Vampires oh, too? Really? Uh, we haven't seen. Well, you know, like uh, they uh, they can't uh, they can't. Well, they they go to sleep at during the day. Oh, that's. The I'm only... so sad right now, Andrew. You ruined it. Just kidding. What? Oh shoot! I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, you're fine, no. dude. Sure. Don't apologize, sorry, sorry. Andrew. He's being dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> I am being dramatic. I'm known for uh. that. Anyway, uh, looking <laughs> like we were saying, everything we, we are about to review over the next few weeks is streamable right now. And looking uh, ahead to a few other things, uh, we have an email now. Any thoughts, comments, drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. Our podcast, if anyone is asking or wondering or uh, asking, you know, where can we listen to The Podfellas, you can hear it on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, and Spotify. And for the foreseeable future, we will be coming at you with extended episodes just so that you guys all have some content to hopefully get you through uh, these upcoming few days, weeks. Who knows how long the quarantine will last. And now on to our roundtable discussion. All right. And now on to our roundtable discussion. The films Will and I are reviewing later today are based on a half Korean, half Caucasian girl growing up in Portland, Oregon. Both films are extremely popular with both Asians and Caucasians alike, which is why I thought having the discussion on the state of Asians in film and TV today would be fun. So that's why I gave you guys a call. I think it would be nice since all of us are Asians in the entertainment industry in one shape or form, since all of us are in there trying to you know, make things work and hopefully get a film made. Um, I thought it would be great to talk about a few things, talk about the state of of you know our culture and our ethnicities in, in the fields that we want to enter into. So... Wanted to ask you first, Stevo, how are Asians portrayed in the media? Is it positive, negative, or neutral? Um, and how has it changed over the last decade? Uh, I think it's getting better. I think um, there's a lot more opportunities that are coming up. I think, um, like Aquafina, I don't know if you guys seen Nora from Queens, but uh, that show is rad. And um, there's a lot of folks that are loving it, and they're, they're not coming from you know an Asian-American background at all. And so there's a universality to uh, her projects. And so I think that... Um, you're definitely seeing a lot more in like the streamers space, especially because uh, with streaming now, you can create niche markets, you know, and um, they can expose audiences to Asian American or Asian cinema uh, in ways that in the past, you know, it wasn't there. And so I think like the algorithm will uh, kick in a show that might be a Korean drama, you know, based on your likes because it, it kind of goes beyond just, um, I guess, like, the ethnic background of the story and it kind of groups it based on like themes you know if you like rom-coms it'll queue up korean dramas things like that so mm -hmm. i think it's definitely um there's definitely a huge growth for it compared to 10 years ago and i think the streaming platform has has done that a lot got it what do you think andrew yeah i totally agree i think um, a lot of these streaming services have like hard data now in a world of analytics there i mean i think um, just the explosion of Asian content on these streaming services is probably a testament to like the demand that they're pricing on the other side. So I totally agree with you. I think um, that the, these new platforms are definitely giving us um, a voice and a place to showcase um, not only like our um, creative chops, but um, you know, share a little bit about our background that might be new to a lot of people out there. Mm -hmm. Got it. What about you, Will? What do you think? 
you know, honestly, I don't think Asians in the media have had much notoriety or controversy because during the last couple of decades, it seemed as if Asians have always been like under the radar, unless it's like a situation specifically targeting us. Like obviously with Parasite winning uh, Best Picture, like that, that basically was a push in that sense and really putting us in the forefront, especially the fact that it was the first, um, I guess, Asian film because not you know specifically korean but but just more more in the sense asian of winning international and best picture at the at the oscars you know parasite like winning you know i mean like does that is that a sign that hollywood is more open-minded now like can we expect the same you know approach to foreign films in the future i think i don't know i think that we have made a good step in ourselves to kind of branch out and finally be out of our comfort zone because i always thought that Asians in in the Hollywood industry and whatnot, they were very timid. I don't know. I just feel like there wasn't much um, courage, I guess, in the sense to step out and just to like prove something. And and I feel like now it's happened, kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. Bong Joon Ho did it basically. Oh yeah, I'd have to discourage, uh, disagree with the courage part. I think that you know Asian American filmmakers have have been there trying to push against the system. But um, to Andrew's point, like before you had hard data is really based mm -hmm. on what the studio execs felt, what the producers' gut feelings were, you know, uh, what the metrics were in terms of box office, which is so, uh, I, I want to say it's kind of amorphous, you know? And um, mm -hmm. like, and, and mm -hmm. even with the Nielsen rating system, you know, that, that it's not like you get direct one-to-one -one mm -hmm. analytical yes. data that streaming platforms exactly. would get. These families, like Homer Simpson had a box in an episode, and, you know, they were yeah. able to control it. <laughs> and so... I think that it's just that there's more exposure to it because uh, big data is is pushing Hollywood now. Yeah, and I think to kind of add to that, I think a lot of these streaming services, um, they just need so much more content and they, they have the money to produce and um, make content. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, in traditional, like traditionally uh, for, for movies that got theatrical, I think it was such a... Um, a formula that they had to, fo to to follow in terms of like okay how much risk do we do we take by casting you know somebody that's a minority in this role because everything is about box office numbers and um, about the money they bring in so I feel like that's in a way it's been lifted off of the shoulders of some of these big streaming networks uh, or platforms because I feel like um, they're not so concerned with you know again box office return so they're able to take a little bit more risk and uh, they're able to put, you know, things out there that are fresh and, 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 and fresh voices and new faces and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So you're saying because they're not so concerned with box office that they're willing mm -hmm. to try these yes. things? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And, yeah. Got it. And plus box office films, they tend to go after the greatest gener um, demographic possible. Everyone that, you know, it, it's not as nichified as streamers are. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. mm. Will, what were you going to say? I was, I was just going to say, like, it's funny because when you look at, um, you know, when YouTube started, right? I, I honestly believe that with the amount of <laughs> Asians making content on there, I literally thought like that was our stepping stone because all I saw was always a lot oh, absolutely. of content yeah. Asians like kind of like flooding that. And, and that's where I was mm -hmm. like, okay, at least we're doing something now with this kind of streaming platform with this online platform now. And it just took us that much longer to get to the point where, you know, where obviously movie like parasite has finally come to come to, to come to light you know for us to be like hey wow asians yeah oh yeah like there's there's something there's something different here going on and i think now we're more open mind like hollywood we're open-minded now to to kind of go out and and take those risks in that sense so right, right yeah 
It's funny that you guys bring up analytics because it's not something that I thought really would have applied to uh, this whole uh, experience of entertainment of what you of what we watch. But um, I guess it does make sense, you know, for every net Netflix subscriber. I'm sure they have a pretty good handle and grasp in terms of like what age range uh, that their their mm-hmm. streamers are in and like what ethnicity there mm-hmm. are. Is that maybe mm-hmm. would you guys say the reason why we're seeing so much Korean content on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Anything from the yeah. kingdom to that show that will love so much crash landing into you? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the reasons why we're seeing so much like content especially korean content on netflix today i I think absolutely and uh, i think you know even beyond just um, films and television shows on um, these platforms i think um, the world is so much smaller now because of you know social media and you know platforms like youtube i think just look how big k-pop is around the world now and not just amongst um, asians Hmm. it's um it's huge it's global and so i think by that um in a lot of ways, people are a little bit more curious about Asian culture now. And, and again, when they actually log on to these streaming sites, I think they're a lot more open now to uh, watch shows that aren't that are from Asia or Korea or Japan or you know China, those types of things. Now, I have a question. I know that Will talked a little bit about Parasite. I want to ask you guys, Parasite winning Best Picture. Was this a unicorn? Was it lightning in a bottle? Or is this a sign that Hollywood is more open minded and that things will change? Will foreign films be considered you know equal with american made domestic films in terms of you know deciding what's the best picture of the year um i wanted to ask maybe andrew do you have any thoughts on this yeah um this one is is tough uh this question is tough because i i don't want to believe it was a unicorn but um i'm just trying to be realistic and i think that um i'm gonna have to say that it is Mm -hmm. uh, and it was um i think again the social climate um all of the things that have been happening especially with um you know, like the, you know, the president and all of those things, like these political, the political environment, I think, had something to do with it winning Best Picture. Hmm. Um, I think Korean cinema has been incredible for the last almost like 10, 15 years. And I think that we have seen films that are um, put forth by Korean directors that are on par with Parasite. Uh, But I think it's maybe just now because of all of the politics um, surrounding, I guess, uh, the world that... uh, People are actually just crying out and saying, "Hey, this is something new. We're going to protest and and we're going to actually um, say that uh, a movie from Korea that was, you know, again never uh, in, in in a lot of minds uh, able to win Best Picture because it was foreign language. We're going to actually put that front and center and and, and give it a victory. So I, I think it had a lot to do with politics, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I only partially agree with you, Andrew, in terms of like the politics of it. Absolutely, I think that definitely has um, a play in it. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I feel like um, uh, Korean cinema has been adapting and evolving on the, the world mm-hmm. stage. I feel like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there was a huge splash like 10, 10 15 years ago, I guess. Like um, what mm-hmm. was it called like Korean New Wave, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know the terminology is, but uh, I think it, the, the Korean films back then were made for Korean audiences. And um, mm-hmm. as they started to evolve, as they started to get more exposure through the, you know, through Khan and winning Palme du Jour and ex- getting exposed into uh, American markets, Western markets, I feel like um, the Korean films have changed structurally. I felt like Parasite mm-hmm. was uh, the most, um, what's the word? Um, I felt like uh, Parasite was uh, the most accessible Korean film of all the Korean mm-hmm. films that have been made so far. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like um, the, I was expecting that crazy fourth act and they toned it down a lot compared to other Korean yeah. films. 
And I feel like yeah. they've evolved to, you know, match the taste of Western audiences. And so what I see mm -hmm. is that this is like the beginning of kind of like uh, the Mexican New Wave with um, Guillermo del Toro, Alfonso mm -hmm. Coron, uh, Inaritu. Mm -hmm. Those guys kind of spearheaded um, that new wave and they're able to garner, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, global um, acceptance. And I feel like Bong Joon-ho is like not one of the first, but like he's been working at it, you know, with mm -hmm. Snowpiercer and Okja. And I feel like there's going to be more. I feel like there mm, is, absolutely. you know, a desire looking yeah. at Korea in a way where they're like, oh, some unique, interesting films come out of there that's, that's innovative and, and brand new. So I think so, the mm -hmm. eye is definitely cast on Korea. So, Steve, when you say that this was the most accessible Asian film or Korean film, would you, did you also mean that it was possibly the most, like, westernized Korean film? In, in that yeah, sense? I feel like um, the class system especially, yeah. you know, that's huge in, in, like, the UK and especially in America. And those kind of themes really play out. Huh. And I feel like that was like, you know, the underpinning of it's not just for thrills. It's not just like this interesting experiment. You know, it's not this huge melodrama. There's something deeper there. And I feel like mm. this is one of the, um, I'm not saying that other Korean films haven't expressed that, but I feel like Parasite specifically, that's what made it strong. Side question. We talked about how the political climate kind of led to Parasite, um, you know, getting nominated and eventually winning Best Picture. Um, I didn't want to get too political with this, but I have to ask the question. Uh, you know, we're hearing a lot of stories about, uh, you know, uh, hate and uh, certain acts against Asian people as a result of the coronavirus. Do you think there will be any sort of backlash because of this against Asians in the entertainment industry? Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I think there will be some um, some difficult times ahead for Asians in the the entertainment industry and it's so unfortunate because we made so much progress the last maybe four or five years mm. but um you know it's just uh you see all of the things that are happening out there on social media with the, the racism i think it's it's inevitable that it's going to affect um how you know again studios think about uh, marking in a film or um you know casting an asian in the one of the lead roles um but hopefully you know, this, again, the streaming um, services still remain strong in terms of casting um, Asian Americans yeah. and in minorities. Uh, but I, to me, I feel like it's at least in the short term, we'll probably see some ripple effects of, of, of all of the the racism that's going on. Do you mind if I, I just we just touch on one more thing? Yes. Um, yes. So so why don't we pull up an example um, mm. like Mulan that was set to launch um, soon? You know, they had their world premiere, mm. and um, it got a lot of great reviews. But um, you know that's it's an all Asian cast. Uh, takes place in China. Uh, it was the first time that Disney had uh, taken a risk and put together an all Asian cast for one of their big tentpole movies. Um, it, it's just unfortunate that um, the release falls um, on you know this yeah. you know in line with this pandemic. Um, I mean, what do you how do you guys think Mulan will fare uh, at the box office? Is there a box office at that point? Because I mean, if everything's you know. Lockdown and I mean, theaters are literally closed in all of California. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to have to push that date or they're going to just eat the loss and stream it. Again, this is like the biggest gamble yet, I think, um, in terms of budget, the size of the budget. I think Crazy Rich Asians was a great success. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is the, the next progression, right? The next step in the progression of Asians taking over mainstream Hollywood. And um, are they going to use the, the virus against? This film, saying, "Look, you know, Mulan was a big gamble. It was, it was, it was very, very noble of, of Disney to take this on, uh, but um, do you think we'll get another shot of this magnitude um, 
is, is maybe a question that I wanted to throw out there. My mm-hmm. gut says no, only because mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a classic Disney film that you know it's not it's not an original idea. It's just a live yeah. action mm-hmm. film. For me, mm-hmm. it's I remember when I watched Mulan when I was younger and I loved it, and the fact that they are actually going true mm-hmm. to the story of it. I don't. I, for me, it's like I don't look at it as oh, it's China, so therefore I shouldn't support that. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. It's like this is mm-hmm. by Disney. This is this is just mm-hmm. a classic Disney film. My gut says mm-hmm. no. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's easy for them to make Mulan because, you know, it's existing mm-hmm. IP, uh, intellectual property, yep. and uh, it was already a success. So um, mm-hmm. in their whole, like, you know, uh, march to live action everything, uh, that, that made the next logical step. I think the folks mm-hmm. that will have issues with the film because of the pandemic, I think those mm-hmm. people would have had issues with it before. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think that mm-hmm. that already existed. Um, I think mm-hmm. the main issue with Asian you know, Asian Americans in mainstream Hollywood projects is that everything that's a Hollywood project is based on IP and how much IP mm-hmm. is centered around Asian characters. There's not that many. Mm-hmm. I'd be really interested mm-hmm. to see if they redo Starship Troopers because the protagonist of that is actually Filipino, mm-hmm. not this, you know, uh, white dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that'd be interesting if they rebooted that with like a Filipino lead, you know. Mm-hmm. But the main mm-hmm. issue, I think, is that there just isn't that much IP with you know, leading Asian characters. Mm-hmm. And that's something that needs to be fixed. Marvel Shang-Chi is, is another example, right, of, of uh, IP that has an Asian protagonist, main protagonist, that's, uh, that'll be coming out soon. So maybe uh, yeah. that'll be kind of uh, another thing, another film to watch in terms of like how, how that performs at the box office to kind of be a reflection of, again, like, you know, studios greenlighting big films with Asian stars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I think the, the studios mm-hmm. and everyone there, I wonder how much of, you know, race plays in, in their calculations because I feel like, you know, it's a comic book movie with an Asian lead versus mm-hmm. it's an mm-hmm. Asian movie that's a comic book movie. You, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, where's mm-hmm. the emphasis mm-hmm. on? Like, Searching, you brought mm-hmm. up, it was, it was a success, and I wonder how much of that was because it was an Asian cast versus it's horror and it was original, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I feel like there, there could be more opportunities for Asians. It's just finding those right projects and positioning mm-hmm. it in a way that can um it's accessible to to the greater public and honestly ever since we andrew you and i when we interviewed time Ma, i just want to support him because he was just an awesome mm-hmm. man to talk to and yeah. he's like the grandfather i you know that that you wish you had kind of thing he you was guys heard just... what happened to him right at the pasadena grocery mm-hmm. store no, no no what happened um so i just saw this right now he was at a whole foods in pasadena and a car approached him as he made his way to the entrance. And then this guy rolled down the window and yelled at him, you should be quarantined. And then that driver just took off. And wow. uh, yeah, he said that he was speechless and he wanted to kind of wow. say something back. But he just felt, he said he felt cold and numb and that it, it deeply Man. affected him. Yeah. yeah. That's not, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not surprised because we are, we know that realistically that's going to happen. I don't, I, and I, I can only hope that it doesn't happen on such a ridiculous scale. Like, but it's inevitable for, to have those people out there to, to yeah. obviously do that. Yeah. So, but I'm glad yeah, and, just the way how Time Ma, you know, handled it and, and just mm-hmm. was able to kind of realize like, just, it, that this just, you know, makes no sense. It's just ignorance. So. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'm of the opinion that I, I understand like he was so shocked by it. But uh, I've been in some situations like that and lashing mm. out, even though I didn't want to lash out, mm. because uh, I think like, you know, being ethnically diverse, a lot of times I've kind of want to just 
you know, keep my head down and blend in. But um, standing up and saying something and, you know, fighting back with harsh words, uh, mm -hmm. it's not that it was empowering, but it was more interesting to see the response. Because yes. people that are projecting that, they want to put you down. And so yeah. when you push back up, it startles them and it makes them think twice about the next time. That's just yeah. my personal POV. Yeah, true. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just, really unfortunate what, what he experienced. That's, that's awful. And I'm just trying to be realistic in terms of like the box office. I feel like when you hear stories like that, and again, all of the posts on social media about um, the racism that we're seeing against Asian Americans, I just, I just feel like, unfortunately, Mulan may be a casualty of all of that. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong because I think uh, we have a lot going with this film. I heard it's supposed to be incredible. A lot of amazing performances. I mean, yeah. it's like an all-star mm -hmm. cast of all of my favorite Asian American actors and actresses. So um, I'm just really hoping that it does well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned to say the least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. on on a light note, on a light note, I will say my, mm -hmm. I had a little like debate with my girlfriend because she was like saying, I'm not watching Mulan. I was like, why? It's like, because you get rid of Mushu, then you're <laughs> not uh, original to the film. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, it is original to the actual folklore of Mulan. Right. She's like, no, exactly. you got to stick with the Mulan cartoon. Like, that's what I want to <laughs> see. Hey, I don't have Mushu. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder what's stronger, the Mulan hate or the Mushu love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Why, why people yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. It's true. All right. It's interesting. I want to see because I, I I know it doesn't have any of the the musical numbers in it. So I think I think it's I think it'll be a really great film. Yeah, I got goosebumps yeah. and got a lump in my throat just by watching the trailer. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, same but, here. Yeah. yeah, I was getting so teary eyed. It's we were talking about crying earlier. I I was I was crying <laughs> to the trailer. <laughs> Real men cry. We have established that. That is I the know. theme of our our roundtable today. Real men <laughs> shed tears. I want to ask you guys, true or false, in the current state of affairs today, an Asian lead can't open a film. True or false? First, you, Steve-O. That's a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the type of film. Like, uh, I, I'm a strong believer that there's uh, two film industries. One is you know, Hollywood, the, the mainstream, and then the other is indie films. I feel like with indie films, absolutely. It's already happening. I think with um, mainstream films, it's, it's tricky because, again, you're back to the box office model and you're back to like, you know, the broadest audience possible. And what's your demographic? If it's the U.S., then it's always going to scale towards more, you know, white leads, I feel. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't know how to break that cycle because all of the box office is driven by numbers. Numbers in terms of uh, not data, but like uh, just box office revenue. How about you, Andrew? What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think Steve, uh, Steve will put it... Uh just brilliantly I, I totally agree with you I think there's two extremes um, it's really great to see all of the amazing um, independent films with Asian American leads uh, but again I think like Steve, said, Steve had mentioned earlier I think it may need to be tied to some sort of pre-existing IP like again Sing-Chi with Marvel um, it being a comic book film I think uh, that'll give um, the, the, the protagonist a platform to be the Asian American lead um, hopefully that trend will continue, but um, but I, I think Steve said it really, really beautifully. So question to you guys then, does that IP have to be embraced? Like comic book IP is pretty much uh, beloved across the board, uh, like a book such as uh, To All the Boys I Loved Before or even Crazy Rich Asians. I don't think that had a huge audience among Caucasians, yet the films for those movies did. Um, does the IP have to have a huge reach or can it just be any kind of IP that has some sort of fan base? <coughs> 
Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I've asked a couple of producers, like, at what point does an original con concept become IP? Like, can I make something mm -hmm. into this IP? And all, all the time they're like, if you've made it, it's not IP. <laughs> but um, it, I, I don't know. That, that's a tough question to ask. It depends on you know which execs are considering what is considered IP or not. I'm told that you could have, you could get rights to an indie comic strip that has maybe like a thousand followers, and that's IP enough because it's comics. Mm -hmm. But it, it depends. Like literary, I don't know. But if you look at you know what's geared towards the American audiences, how much of, of American IP is actually you know starring Asian leads? That's, mm -hmm. that's the tricky part. In terms of my opinion, I would say if your criteria for opening a film means uh, opening a film such that uh, that movie becomes uh, a fairly profitable endeavor, I would say, yes, Asians can definitely open a film. I talked a little bit earlier about searching. It was made for very little money and it actually did very well at the box office. And that opened right after, maybe a couple of weeks right after Crazy Rich Asians opened. So maybe it was kind of riding on the coattails of uh, people's wanting to see Asians in, in, you know, in the cinema. But I thought that movie did really well. And I thought it was a really great film overall. And I feel like maybe what we have to go on right now um, is, is Henry Golding. I don't know if I think he's half Asian, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if people consider that, you know, um, you know, an Asian opening a film or not. But mm, his face has yeah. been everywhere. He, was, he just was in Last Christmas. Of course, Crazy Rich Asians. He was in that film uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Um, so, I, I mean... Whether he is considered full Asian or not, I don't know. But seeing his face and his charisma in these films, um, it, it, I think it gives us hope. And it gives me the thought that, you know, that, yeah, maybe an Asian can open a film. Maybe an Asian can be a movie star. Like, you know, my whole thing is, who is our Sydney Poitier going to be? And I mm. don't have an answer for that yet. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get one soon. And hopefully the things that we're seeing in the news today won't affect that, which is, you know, pretty saddening. But I have hope. I have hope, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and maybe this discussion is something that we could you know revisit later. But I yeah. think when you were talking about uh, crazy rich Asians versus searching, I think we have to point out that searching was probably uh, you know made by an independent uh, filmmaker or producer, yeah. Yeah. and then probably acquired. So in that in that regard, I think um, these distribution companies had a chance to evaluate the film and say, hey, this could be a box office success versus something like Crazy Rich Asians, which was from the very get-go going to be an Asian cast, Asian property, and then greenlit by a studio. So I think those are probably two different, um, very true. I guess, you know, places of origin. But I think yeah. I, I agree with you 100% Myron, what you said in terms of uh, Asians being able to open a film. So in that sense, mm -hmm. would you say, Andrew, that uh, getting Crazy Rich Asians made was exponentially more harder than getting a movie like Searching made? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Bigger budget, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us for this roundtable. I know this is something that we can probably talk about for quite a bit longer, but uh, I'm happy that we were at least able to get these thoughts out. Um, I appreciate you guys for joining us, and I hope to have you guys on for future episodes. If you'd like to be on, we'd love to have you. So thank you guys very, very much. Thank you so much for coming on, Andrew and Steve-O. Thanks, guys. This was fun. All right. Thanks for having us. That was, our round table, that was our roundtable discussion on Asians in the film and TV uh, business. We're going to go on a short break, and we will come right back to Will's most anticipated film review of the year to all the boys I loved before. Stay tuned. Junior year. I can hardly believe it. Thanks, Dad. We need to talk about your sexual health. No, no, please, no. I want you to be safe. Dad, why are you giving me these? Don't forget to have fun. Yes, well, I have a lot of rubbers for that, specifically. 
you think you should branch out, make some new friends. Nope. You never know what could happen. That's what I'm afraid of. My letters are my most secret possessions. I write them when I have a crush so intense, I don't know what else to do. There are five total. Peter, the most popular guy in school. Kenny from camp. Lucas from homecoming. John Ambrose from Model UN. And Josh, but he's my sister's boyfriend. What are you doing? Nothing. Nobody else knows about them. Hey, can I talk to you? I, I really appreciate it, but it's never gonna happen. I'm sorry, what? I think it's really cool that you think I have golden specks in my eyes. Oh my god. It's Josh. Oh my god. Oh, okay. The letters are out. Women. Tell me about it. Here's the thing. I had to make it look like I liked you so somebody else wouldn't think I liked them. What if we let people think that we were actually together? Let's do this. I've never seen you so happy. Did you mean what you wrote in the letter? I'm lying to every single person in my life. Just don't hide yourself, okay, honey? You can't just sit up in your room writing love letters. You gotta tell people how you feel when you feel it. That was a look at the trailer for the film to all the boys I've loved before. And I know, Will, you are especially really looking forward to this film review and watching this movie, right? Am I right? Am I right? Uh, just keep moving on. <laughs> he was really excited. He, he just can't contain it right now. This is how he responds when he gets really excited. Let's keep moving forward, please. All right. Anyhow, that was a look at the trailer, like I said. This film is about a teenage girl who writes a series of secret love letters when she's younger. Those letters get sent out in the mail, and, be, and all of a sudden she becomes exposed. And those letters wreak havoc on her love life, or I guess I should say lack of a love life up to this point. Now, Will, I know that you, to be honest, were not looking forward to these reviews. So I wanted to ask you first, after watching this first film, did this film uh, fall below, meet, or exceed your expectations? Look, I, I know I've I've given you a hard time with this entire, <laughs> this segment, this yes, podcast, you have. Yeah. this episode, yeah. whatever. Like, literally, I, I did come in with the lowest expectations uh, because I, I, I just teenage rom-coms, especially when it came to now with an Asian lead uh, actress, I I don't know like for some reason in my personality for some reason I just was like why I don't care for this I I I, I was just so <laughs> against it for but uh, as much as I came with very low expectations and not wanting to enjoy the film it actually surprised me a little just a little <laughs> The very, the very <laughs> just little, a very small just little shred, <laughs> just a kind of a nice speck. If you no, uh, to be perfectly honest, it did surprise me. Good, good. I, I, you know, the the story was pretty funny, and Lana Condor, who plays LJ, uh, and the lead actress in this film, she had great chemistry with her co-star Noah uh, Centineo. Is that how you say his last name? I think so. Yeah, Centineo. Yeah. yeah. She she really defied my expectations in an Asian American rom com. 
uh, I think her character shine through as a typical hopeless romantic teenager. Yeah, yeah. I I actually did enjoy the cultural diversity of the ensemble Absolutely. as well as the main household where the father is Caucasian and the mother is Korean. Even though I accepted the fact that she's actually Vietnamese in real life, <laughs> Vietnamese American. Uh, overall, the majority of the cast they worked very well naturally together and i noticed how yeah. the blend of different races it just soon dispelled and the story became the forefront yeah. it wasn't should... about their ethnicity it became about the story which i loved and yeah. that is where i just for some reason i know the th- that that mentality will break in my mind uh soon it's it just it's just really did well and and any film should always be about the story you know what i mean like that's what it always should be about and whatever race that that the lead character is it it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter as long as they can execute the whole purpose of what the story is trying to tell Hmm. so that that it was it was enjoyable to watch. You loved it. You cried, didn't you? It was it was it was enjoyable yet bearable. <laughs> and you know, as as much as I I was surprised and I and I did appreciate the film. You know, it was to me it was just a typical cute story, cheesy teenage dialogue. Of course, it really catered to you know those that that group of people. Um. I just don't have a taste for teen romances uh, unless they're like... Nor do I. Nor do I. Really? I don't know. You really love this film, though. (laughs) I did. I did. That's the thing. It it defied my expectations simply because the actors were just so good. And no one was very annoying in this movie. Normally, there's at least three or four really annoying characters in any sort of high school rom-com. And that maybe, on the nose type of acting, you know what I mean? Yeah. When it comes to teen rom coms, yeah. that's just so. Dude, are you are you trying to act in a movie or in a sitcom? You know yeah. what I mean? Like that can it, get a bit cheesy. I think a lot of what it is also is that um, characters are written as cliches in high school rom coms. It's like you got the jock and you got the funny girl, you got the pretty girl, you got the mean bitchy girl. You know, and, and I get it. It's yeah, yeah. I felt like this kind of superseded it just a little bit. And then there was also that fresh take in terms of the multi-ethnic uh, cast, which I thought was fresh. But, you know, I-, I thought it was still a little cliche, but it didn't take me out of the film. Yeah, I mean, granted, like, it's just, to me, it's no different than, like, the Hilary Duff of Cinderella story or, or like, a Chad mm. Michael Murray. Like, back in the 90s growing up, those those types of, you know, teen um, teen rom-com, romantic movies, whatever. I mean, mm. like, look, I mean... The, the the biggest thing though was Laura Condor, her her acting was really I don't know what it was, but but she came off so naturally mm. that it, it didn't categorize I, I couldn't categorize her in this film even though it it is a teen rom com I, I I just couldn't place her in a typical um, position of of this character that that most act out in in terms of you know typical teenage rom-coms like she just she just came she just gave off this type of i don't know this 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 ability to to really feel like she's being authentic with her personality like like just just that's just who who she is like even in real life i'd actually believe her if she acted that way that's That's good acting me off yeah 
yeah yeah yeah yeah and what's funny is like i was actually doing more research research behind her where you know she's adopted yeah and and also like her, her but her parents noticed that she has a natural acting abil- ability and and it definitely showed in in this film definitely for like yeah. you know for lack of a better film it showed through in this yeah i will say that there there are some probably well just really one for me there there there's one funny moment that i thought was great was um the condom scene oh I think, yeah i, I think <laughs> john corbett's performance as as the father as his father persona of yeah. the, you know i think he was funny and enjoyable to watch he was, I really he was aloof watching him. aloof yet aware and very caring but not invasive but this is the scene where he just kind of really steps it up i think it's hilarious yeah. yeah 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 i mean he's no he's no like funny cool dad like owen wilsman wonder but like he you know he, <laughs> wow. he did yeah it, but you know he did a great job to where you kind of cringe but you're like yeah that that would be my dad though too kind yeah, of thing exactly like you you, re- you relate that and it wasn't so typical i guess yeah um n- nothing surprised me about this film the only it's thing a, that really it's a high okay. school rom-com right he knew exactly <laughs> but, what was going to happen from the beginning yeah nothing surprised me but maybe the fact that it wasn't as bad as and painful as i thought it would be <laughs> that's just for me though that's very uh uh yeah personally themes it's it's just hopeless romantic it's cutesy hopeless romantic girl you know like doing her thing as any well not gonna generalize but just the whole teenage wit girls in love or think they know what love is kind of thing just mm-hmm. just fantasizing that mm-hmm. so it's not bad it's <laughs> wasn't so bad all right so for will to say that this high school rom-com is not bad means that inside he is absolutely loving it i'm sure you've seen it at least two or three times no no definitely fake news. <laughs> that's my wife my wife actually has seen it two or three times we yeah, watched parts I... one and two this was her after we watched part one she's like oh i don't want to watch part two because i don't want to see them struggle i, I want to see them be happy and then we watched it <laughs> And then the next day she watched part one again. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've created a monster here. Uh, well, I will tell you for sure that my sisters will be getting a huge kick out of this podcast because okay. they've been asking me, or actually my older sister's been asking me to watch this film. So right. I was like, no. So time out. Will, let me ask you a question here. Do you think we're film snobs? Do you think we're highbrow? Do you think we're too like above what people watch in the mainstream? I didn't, I didn't think so, but do you think so? No, I just think we know what we like. It, it, like, look, we're not reviewing these films strictly because we think we know what's a great, what makes a great film, what doesn't make a great film. I think a film snob is someone who does that. Well, and here's I think, the thing: honestly, though. for us, is that we are, you know, we do have background in in our um, careers, in our in our in our profession, but at the same time, I think that we do. Uh, at least for like you, you you do bring a technical balance and a technical uh, and, and a logical approach to it. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you know and we know like it's just a matter of opinion because art is bias. Yeah, no, right? but I'm saying I'm I'm talking about what content that we review. I asked this because I asked my wife or I told my wife, oh yeah, after this episode, we're going to be doing a Safdie Brothers twofer. She's like, who are the Safdie Brothers? And I said, Uncut Gems. She's like, oh yeah, I love that movie. And I was like, the week after, we're going to be doing a Terrence Malick uh, double review. She's like, who? I said, yeah, remember the guy I always talk about, Tree of Life? Huh? And then I'm just thinking like, do people like, like, 
That's first not off, a snob. No, no, that's first not really off, a snob. But are we reviewing the movies that people really watch? For example, as soon as some of our listeners found out that we're reviewing this movie, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Oh my oh gosh, my you guys goodness. are reviewing this? I can't believe it. And I'm just like, who are you asking this? <laughs> It was like a, it was an Instagram story that was posted. All the teenagers. People were, I'm no, people were responding. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what Myron and Will have to say about to all the boys I've loved before. But I don't. I, like, I don't know if that's really yeah. coming from us being snobs. I guess I think because yeah. we like, we we just have a different taste in what we enjoy. But then yeah. again, I'm you know, at the so end of the I, day, like look, people, I I am glad to be able to review this film for you yeah. guys. I'm glad that we're taking this, and I'm glad that Myron pushed hard. So, yeah. I, I love all movies, but there are some films films that I would get more excited to review than maybe other people. And I'm sure there are some films that we would love to review that maybe a lot of people haven't heard of. So I, I think our, my whole thing is, you know, maybe we should be more open to reviewing films that people. You know, I'm just are, being a cynic. More accessible. I'm not being a snob. I actually, yeah. I will yeah. admit, I'm just You're being a, a little cynic. Yes, yeah. right now. We're yes. all cynics right now. But anyway. but. But, that was a tangent like I here. said, Let's come like back. I said, I did enjoy it a little. Okay, a little, a lot, a little. All right, like a sliver. All right. So myself, <laughs> I enjoyed this movie thoroughly. I have to say, I thought the two leads, Lana Condor and Noah Centineo, they were charming and had great chemistry. Especially Lana Condor, I have to admit, I was very surprised. She had a certain ease with the role where it didn't seem like she was acting. She was she inhabited the part and she was so likable and yeah. easy to root for. And that's hard when basically this is a typical formulaic high school rom-com, you know. So I, I also really enjoyed the take on a girl growing up in a household with two distinct cultures and seeing how that upbringing played out in, in LJ as well as, as well as her sister's lives. So, you know, uh, one of the main points of the story is that her father is Caucasian and her mother is Korean and she has uh, passed away. So she's very much a product of two cultures. It's evident and uh, a part of her personality, but at the same time, it doesn't become a major story point that bogs down the momentum because at the heart of it is basically just a rom-com and it yes. sticks to that. It doesn't get too far from that, but the whole multicultural upbringing is still a part of the DNA, which I appreciated. Um, and they don't focus so much on culture in itself. Like exactly. That's what, was, yeah. that's what it, I liked too. Yeah. It's just there. It, it's it like, does a li- Yeah, it's yeah. there. But it wasn't so much like we emphasize yeah. this. It wasn't kind of heavy handed. Yeah. It no. was like, it's there, here, this is what it is. And I know you yeah. see it because she's Asian. So let's just move on with it. And I move I, on. I, yeah. I, I appreciated that. Yep. Yep. I, I also, and you mentioned this, I enjoyed the multi ethnic take on the high school that we see um, in the high school scenes. A lot of different ethnicities. It's a melting pot. And that's what we would see today. But it's not typically what we've seen in terms of Hollywood. When we see a Hollywood movie, uh, when they portray a high school, it tends to have a certain look, a certain makeup of individuals that mm. may or may not actually be representative of what we see today in society. So I appreciated that they got those little details right, and then they didn't really focus on it or accentuate the fact that they were at a multi-ethnic school. This is just life for them, and I appreciated that quite a bit. Uh, honestly, I found myself rolling my eyes a little bit at the beginning of the movie. Uh, why? It's because, I mean... Well, you and I uh, grew up in Asian families and maybe we're better able to tell like which, you know, Asian is which Asian. But, you know, when I saw uh, Lana Condor playing a half Korean, half Caucasian girl, 
Um, and then she, of course, has two sisters that also have the same ethnicity. She looked nothing like them. And it really took me out of the film for a bit until I just kind of fell in love with the character and you know saw how at ease she was. And that helped me get through it. But at first, it, it distracted me. Did it bother you at all seeing her no, no, with no. her sisters? Because, I mean, I remember we were talking about this and I told you, it, 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 it genetically speaking, like I do have friends who are uh, like Habsies, but then at the same time, even so, like they they can genetics can lean towards you know one side of the parent or the other. Um, I do have one friend actually too who is uh, who have a child. Uh, uh, she's half she's half white and half black, but she looks Spanish. <laughs> like, mm. but that's their child. Like she she literally looks more like her mother, but with brown eyes but her mother has uh blue eyes you know mm. and, her, and her dad yeah. is black um and full like just full-on black and it's so it's so it, it can lean that's where i knew like when i saw that like factually fact by a factual means i thought okay, okay. yeah that's i, so I get that makes sense no okay. yeah because it, it can happen yeah. it can happen got it well and uh, one other thing that i really loved about the film is there was a deep heart and depth to it and it's not just about a girl finding love the reason why she hasn't found love yet is because she's too scared to let people in with the fear that they might leave because her mom passed away and because she misses her mom so much and that's something that i identify with quite a bit uh, my, my mother passed away when i was in high school so maybe that's why i had a particular liking to this film but it affects you emotionally. And I just really appreciated the fact that, um, you know, as someone watching the, this film, you are aware fully of why she has these walls up and you're rooting for her to kind of take these walls down and you want her to be able to let people in. And uh, a lot of my favorite scenes in this movie have to deal with that. There's this one scene where she is just watching the Golden Girls with her younger sister, Kitty whom I loved, by the way. She was hilarious in this. But then Kitty, who I think is in sixth grade, says, uh, don't you find it a little weird that you're watching Golden Girls at home on a Friday night with me? She's like, no, I, this is what I love to do. And then Kitty says, all right, to be honest, I canceled plans to be here to hang out with you. And it's kind of like you get the sense immediately that she is kind of someone that wants to be invisible, that shuns getting too close to people that's not in her family. Um, so that was that was one great scene. And then... Um, yeah, there's another great scene that I want to talk about later. Um, and when I talk about my favorite scenes where she goes to, uh, uh, like a diner with her dad, which is the same place where her dad used to go quite a bit with LJ's mother. So I'll talk about that a little bit more, but there was a real heart to this film. And that's what I thought separated this from all, all the other high school rom-coms that have come before. Now, in terms of what I didn't like, I kind of talked about it already. The casting just purely in terms of looks took me out of the film up until the point where I was starting to really kind of follow Lana Condor and, you know, appreciate a liking to her character. She didn't look Korean to me. That's because I'm Korean. I'm picky about these things. I probably shouldn't be to, I don't know, 80%, 90% of the, the moviegoers. They probably didn't care. So, you know, I was eventually able to let that go. And it was probably something I was holding on to too long. Anyway, my favorite moment of the film, uh, two favorite moments, I should say, one you already talked about, it's the condom scene. So, you know, John Corbett, <laughs> yeah. who plays the dad, is about to drop um, LJ, Laura Jean, off at school. And she's about to get on a bus to go on the school ski trip. And uh, everyone is aware that weird, not weird things, but 
I would say risque, scandalous things tend to happen on these ski trips. So the father offers her daughter some condoms and uh, the scene is quite awkward and hilarity ensues. But you also get the sense that he's a dad that wants to give his kids freedom, but doesn't quite know how to act here. So he's kind of trying to do the right thing, but it's going about it completely the, completely the wrong way. I thought completely, that was Completely, really but it was funny. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. My other favorite scene, and I have to admit, I kind of almost shed a tear here. I know my wife did, was when um, you know John Corbett's character, uh, LJ's father, sees that uh, his daughter is going through a lot of crap, um, you know, struggling really hard. So he says, "Let's go for a drive," and then he takes her to this diner where he, him, and his mom used to go and hang out, and then he mm. plays for LJ a song. And he says, your mom used to play this all the time and she would just get up and dance and not care. And LJ has this look on her face like, oh my gosh, like I am learning something new about my mom. And I just remember for myself, like maybe you too will growing up when we hear something about our parents told to us from an outside person, outside perspective, we're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea they were like that. Oh my gosh, they were like this? Wow, they like to have fun doing this? And it's kind of like we grow up knowing our parents as something or someone. And then once we're told something that, oh, they're actually different and they like to do things a certain different way than you know how we uh, you know originally thought they would do it, we we're like, wow. And it, just to see that you know her mom passed away and she's just so excited to hear something new about her mom it kind of broke my heart a little bit. And at the same time, John Corbett says, you know, I'm sorry I don't talk to you more about your mom. It just hurts me so much. It makes me so sad to talk about these things, but I know I should be doing it more. Such a good scene. And then she says, you know, I really miss her dad. And he says, like, I know you do. It's just a special, beautiful moment and something that I really appreciate about this film. Funny that you say that because I think to myself, you know, kids nowadays in this generation, like Miles, as he he grows up, he's going to know everything about you and Hannah from all the videos you guys filmed and saved. And basically like, wow, my dad was kind of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) My dad was an idiot. (laughs) No, No, it's it's Um, a different time now. Like, you know, there's so much video, you know, all these, all these videos going to be archived. It's not like, you know, you know, VHS tapes where you had to archive it somehow or, you know, and and whatnot. It's all in the cloud now. And and I really don't know what it's going to be like for our kids. But I know it'll be different. It's like, oh, you I wanted to that, get yeah. to know your dad here. Watch these videos. Oh, don't watch that one. <laughs> we'll show you that one when you're 18. <laughs> you know, uh, the totally one thing different. I wanted to say earlier was, though, the the part where you talked about LJ having a hard time finding love because she doesn't want to let people in due to her uh, just her insecurity of, of having love, you know, go like leave. Or go away. I, I I thought that what I don't know the the thing that I didn't really connect with. I thought would have been maybe stronger is if the parents were divorced rather than the mom, you know, being dead. Because that that to me was like, why would you be afraid of finding love? Because you think that love is gonna die? Or like, usually I find a more impactful mo- like scene where a person has that insecurity because it wasn't really so much that they lost the love is because of that love was left like they yeah. left so i i, so that's I, I do I see about. that point and i think we examined that a little bit um you know in in the family of, of peter whose yeah. father left him and that kind of is a point where they're both able to connect with each other i mean sure. uh, if i could share a little bit i think one of the things i struggle with a lot is 
um, you know, I didn't have uh, LJ's problem per se in terms of, oh, uh, I don't want to let people in. But for me, uh, with, with a parent that passed away at a young age, I was all too eager to let people in because I kind of felt insecure because I kind of didn't have that maternal figure. But once they're there, for me, it was always like, how, how do I know you're not going to leave? So it was kind of about of about testing them. It's like making sure they're going to stay put, you know. So Which was little, ironic, though, because yeah. like Peter, Peter didn't have a hard time yeah. with her with his parents separated. He didn't have a hard time. But I think he did. To get love. Yeah, I think this affects everybody differently. Sure. And I, and I do think that, you know, I totally understand what you're saying. But I think, yeah, whenever we lose a parent, like whether a it's a death yeah. or a divorce, I think it affects us all differently. Yeah, and I did truly kind of understand why she felt that way, you know. Yeah, and and to me, like I accepted it though, because I, yeah, you're right. It, yeah. it everyone takes that uh, situation differently. Yeah, uh, regardless. Because yeah. what I think what it what it's about really is, uh, if someone divorces you and leaves you, it's a different kind of of hurt because it's like someone chose to leave you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but whereas it makes it when seem you as lose, though, yeah, yeah, when you, when you lose, lose someone, one. they're they're taken from you, you know. And yeah. it, that's a completely different kind of hurt. Anyway, I, I don't know. I think maybe we're getting too much no, but into that, this. Yeah, yeah, but I think that that makes sense. I think that pe- like in the end, people will take it differently. People will have walls up because yeah. they just they are afraid for whatever yeah. reason that 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 matters. So to them, yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So whoever thought we would have been talking about uh, the psychology of, of of children when their parents <laughs> pass away from a. <laughs> Uh, got teenage deep. rom-com movie but yeah teenage i think it's great i think it's great got deep yeah so deep yeah so what surprised me was a lot um i had no idea that lana and uh noah were going to be so good and likable in this scene in, in their scenes together um especially in that scene like i mentioned where they're both talking about how they lost a parent and they were talking about how how different it is for for uh you know noah's character peter for his dad to leave them and then for uh, Laura Jean for her mom to pass away. It's a very interesting way that they handled it. Um, themes for me, I love how they basically address ethnicity doesn't matter. We are all just involved in a melting pot of cultures and the things that we feel and experience, it's all the same regardless of what we all look like. So I did appreciate how it was present, but not heavy handed and not over the top but it was definitely influencing how we saw the characters without it really being fully addressed. Yeah. So I really, really love that. So Will, you were groaning for the last three weeks about watching this movie. <laughs> what is your final review, sir? Let, lay it uh, on the line. I, I give it a three out Ooh. of five. <laughs> you don't want to give it a three, do you? <laughs> You're like, I'll give it a three. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't want to. I actually, it's still a D. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still it's still 60 percent. but honestly it's yeah i think that for the genre for the the audience that it's catering to and and overall just even even to someone like me as a viewer who you know just doesn't have the biggest interest in these genre this type of film it did actually a good job and 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 actually kept my interest in it and for that i i tip my hat off and go all right you got me uh i got interested and for that i'll give you a three (laughs) for that it does for that it deserves a three by the way three is not a d in in movie rankings if you think about Uh, it three is like a passing score 
It, honestly so but if we th- do th- the math th- this is how i thought math. of it five five is perfection like one of the best of ever four sure. to four and a half is best picture material right uh-huh. three to three and a half is a is a very likable very passable film like kind of like a b minus to a b two hmm. and a half is a barely passing meaning i i i would still consider it a watchable movie borderline recommendable if it's a two and a half anything below that is no don't watch it I'm joking. No, actually, it, it does deserve a three. It wasn't. It wasn't very difficult to watch because of how surprised I was by mm. um, uh, Lana Condor's performance and mm. as well as Noah's. So okay. I will say, yeah, it was Pat. It was definitely watchable. Thank you and for so, being fair. F- yes, and and for you, I'm assuming you give this like a four, right? Four oh, and no, a half well, stars, right? <laughs> All right. So I was not watching Parasite or Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, this I uh, give it a three and a half stars, and that's pretty darn high for a movie of this type. It uh-huh. completely caught me off guard. I'm glad I watched it. I thoroughly enjoyed it because of the great performances from all the fresh new faces and the deeper theme of learning how to love again after losing someone deeply resonated with me in a way that I didn't think it would. So wow. I actually highly recommend that anyone watch this movie. Wow. 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 It sounds like... Sounds like- you have all the boys who you ever loved before. Yeah, that and that Noah boy, gee, is he some oh. hot stuff? <laughs> oh man! Oh, well, boy. overall, I would say that for even guys who are like us, like I, I would, I will say, yeah, give this film a chance. Yeah, it's it's if you have Netflix, there's you know you're not you're already paying for. You know your subscription, so I mean, it's it's not it's not gonna kill you. It won't kill you. Will's review: It's not gonna kill you to watch it. It won't ki- it go. won't kill you to watch it. Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> all right, we're gonna go on a short break, and we're gonna come right back with a review of the sequel to All the Boys Part Two. P.S. I still love you. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So who's this guy you're dating? His name is Peter, and he and Lord Chamberlain would be together if it wasn't for a meet. Because he didn't even know she existed. But I mailed out a secret love letter that she wrote for him. Can I talk to you? Technically, she wrote five. Anyway, he started fake dating to make his ex-girlfriend jealous. She went nuts. And cover up Lord Jean's real crush. And then everything got all weird, and they started real dating on their totally real girlfriend and real boyfriend, and they are adorable. That's cool, actually. Hey. Hi. Say it out loud with me. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, like always. Have fun. Not too much fun. I think this is from the real soccer team. (laughs) Sometimes I wish my boyfriend was more anonymous. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Nope. That's your crown. Oh, oh, no, no. This is all you, boo -boo. I don't want it. This is all you. I don't want it, though. That's for you. John Ambrose McLaren. Oh my God. Dear Laura Jean, I couldn't believe when I opened that letter and it was from you. It's been what, five years? Hi. What is going on in that head of yours? Remember when you asked me who got the other love letters and I said someone from Model UN? He's actually volunteering with me. Thought I saw you. I'm gonna need that letter back. I need proof that someone actually liked me in middle school. (laughs) Everyone liked you in middle school. I didn't care about everyone. Why did I write these stupid love letters? I think it's exciting. I have a boyfriend. 
Almost every one of my love affairs overlapped with another one. Nobody compares to you. I thought having a boyfriend meant the idea of other boys left your mind completely. I didn't want to be thinking about what might have been, but I was. I can stick around and help clean up. No, I think I can help my girlfriend clean up. I miss you, Mom. I wish you could tell me what to do. No, happily ever after but we're still at the beginning that was a look at the trailer for to all the boys part two and here's a synopsis laura jean and peter have just taken their relationship from pretend to officially official like who wrote this officially official (laughs) guys i pulled this from imdb so i'm gonna go with it laura jean and peter have just taken their relationship from pretend to officially official when another recipient of one of LJ's love letters enters the picture. That's now, like a teenage rom-com kind of synopsis writing yeah. right there. So before Officially we even, official. Before I even get to this review, I have a question for you, Will. Are you ready for To All the Boys Part 3? There's a Part 3? Yeah, they just finished shooting. What? It's okay. coming our way. Oh, you know what? I did read that the author, uh, she has written a series. I yeah. think it was like a three, four part series. Yeah. Are you ready? Are um, you waiting? I don't, I, well, I don't really care to be ready, but if what, I have to. Which movie are you more anticipating? Fast and Furious 9 or To All the Boys 3? I would rather watch Fast and Furious any day <laughs> and see shit blow up any day than, uh, than, than see this. Uh, I mean, Fast and the Furious was my first love, dude. I remember watching the, the first yeah. Fast and Furious in, in, in theaters. So It has been my guilty pleasure for the last, I would say, 20 years. But It anyway, is. Yeah. You know, it's like binge drinking. You know, you just don't care that, you know, it's just you're just going out. And, whoa, and, whoa. <laughs> what? Do <I> do? <laughs> what? You know? That's binge the Fast drinking? Come on. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's the Fast and the Furious series, you know? It's, okay. just, it's just those movies that you just kind of like, you know... This is just a good ride. Who cares? Let's just go all out. Okay. So got it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with my review first. Um, you must love this. You must love this film even more. I right? loved it less. I oh. Hmm. Let, let's get to it. Yeah. Noah did right. Noah like lose some points for you? What happened? Uh. <laughs> did he break I, your heart? I will address this in my review, <laughs> and I will be as Tell respectful us. and nice as possible. All right. So what I liked. So when the movie opened, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. Because it's that whole opening where um, Laura Jean is getting ready for her first date, official date with uh, her new boyfriend, Peter. And oh I, don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever seen the original movie, Adventures in Baby, Babysitting with Elizabeth Shue. Have you seen it? Adventures of Babysitting? No. No. Well, the opening scene is Elizabeth Shue getting ready for a date. And then they're playing the song and she's dancing. And this whole first scene is a complete bite off of it. And I was like, oh, this is great. She loves 80s movies. Oh, I love that they're doing this. But unfortunately for me, everything kind of went downhill from there. Because I felt as though the emotional journey that LJ goes on in this movie pretty much undid the journey that she went on in the first movie. And maybe it wouldn't have bothered me so much. But that's the part that I love so much. The idea of a girl learning to love again. And in this movie, that girl who just became vulnerable and was able to fall in love with a guy that she didn't expect to, all of a sudden is wondering if she loves someone else. I'm just like, okay, what? 
like I liked you because of your journey and now you're throwing all that out the window because you're basically saying I, I could like two guys now. She's just, 16, Myron. I know. She's 16. I, I know, I know, I know. And I, <laughs> I felt like I need to be more forgiving of that. You know, they're, they're teenagers, right? Yeah. But that lesson that resonated with me, maybe, it's, maybe it led me to hold her to a higher standard than what I should have. But anyway, going back to my review here. Man. So I, I didn't like that at all. But by the end, when uh, Peter and Laura, uh, you know... Okay, let's be honest. I'm not giving anything away. They go through some troubles. They end up back together. I thought that the movie did capture some of the magic from the first film. And I thought that unfortunately through the large part of the second through a large part of the second act that magic was lost. So, I'm happy to see that they got some of that back at the end. Um, I also really love that scene and I think you hated the scene to be honest. Was when uh, LJ and Jen, who's her arch nemesis from the first film, basically the girl Jen is the girl that Peter was dating and she did not treat him very well. And mm-hmm. Jen used to be best friends with Laura Jean and it didn't work out and they had a falling out and they were basically mortal enemies. They have a certain scene here where they're able to bury the hatchet and that from that point to the end of the movie is where I kind of started to get reinvested. I was like, oh, this is surprising. This is different. I didn't think that they'd be having the scene together talking about what they're talking about. So I did like that quite a bit. Um, and you say that I I wouldn't like it? Did you like it? No, you're right. So <laughs> come on. <laughs> and, and then you hear in the voiceover, here's the thing. There's a Korean phrase called chung that is talked about quite a bit. And my parents use it and you know my wife uses it and i didn't really fully get it until i saw this scene between lj and jen um, and then after that scene uh lj in her voiceover says so to be honest what we have is something called chung it's what my grandma used to talk, talk to me about and we can be enemies and we can hate each other but we will always have that chung because of that moment when we were younger when we first connected and were related and that type of bond can't be broken I was like, okay, really, really cool. I really love how they took like a Korean kind of catchphrase and a Korean idea and infused it into this modern um, teenage rom-com story. Very cool. I like that. Now Do we have the Chung, Myron? You Do and we I have the Chung. You and I have the uh, the, the, the anti-Chung. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It's like, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. I love you, bro. Oh uh, man, do, do you that's love a me? messed up chong you have. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me you love me. You got some messed up chong, man. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me you love me. What? what? Tell Why? Me me. Just tell me you love me. I love you, bro. I love I, you. I love you too. No, don't say bro. Just say I love you. No, no, no. I love you, bro. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I don't know why you're making me say this right now. What? Why, why does bro have to like make it so much more acceptable? This is a whole other thing. I love you, man. <laughs> Man, bro, broham, bro, bro, brochaski. Just so that there's clarity in what the love we have for each other is. Uh, it's it's a phileo love. Yes, it's phileo. not eros love. No, definitely not. Speak, speaking of phileo, today was Friday and it was two dollar phileo fish Fridays. Wow, what a tangent. <laughs> phileo, phileo fish. Yes, great. Okay. Myron Kim, everybody. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm Anyways. a fellow comedian, <laughs> like Joaquin Phoenix in the oh, Joker. Man. But anyway, yeah, on to what I didn't like. Um, I talked about the character arc that Laura Jean goes through, and I did not like it at all. But to, to, to be honest, like you said, 
she's a teenager. I need to be a little bit more forgiving. Here's the real reason, another real reason why I didn't think this movie worked is the John Ambrose character was like just flat completely. I thought it was he was miscast. I thought he didn't have chemistry with her. And it just, I didn't like seeing them together. It kind of bothered me a little bit. And I am going to name an example of a love triangle that did work, even though the movie was completely stupid and ridiculous. But at least there was some real tension. Don't kill me for saying for using this, but Robert Pattinson, Kristen Stewart, and Taylor Lautner in the Twilight series. Get the hell out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is my last episode. Will will be carrying on without me. I'm just kidding. Go yeah. on. No, but as <laughs> I, I bring this cynic. up I'm to so say sorry, that no, that these their movies were awful, but there was some real palpable love triangle moments there that I actually appreciated. But you know why though, right? Why? You have to, because it's freaking vampires and wolves, dude. Like yeah. that that gives it that edge, obviously, for the love triangle and whatnot. Yeah. And plus they were mortal enemies. Yeah, of course there's gonna be that tension. Yeah, That's but great. it was still something like real, you know. It, sure, it was sure. Palpable. You felt it, right? I, I didn't feel it at all here. I was like, what? Huh? You like this John Ambrose guy? Why? What? He had a list. He's not a in, werewolf. In sixth grade. And okay, what? You're, he's volunteering with you. Um, he's this tiny little guy that, okay, forget it. I, I'll just stop there. I don't want to get to me. Uh, but here's the thing. The, uh, Will, this is how conflicted I am about this movie. My favorite moment, though, did involve John Ambrose. And there was actually some real tension here, sexual tension here, that wasn't Whoa. in any other part of the movie. Yes, I said the word. And it's the Whoa. scene. So basically, John Ambrose just met up with uh, L.J. Laura Jean and also with uh, Peter. And uh, they met up with their old friends and they kind of dug up their old uh, time capsule that they all put away when they were younger. And they pulled certain elements out. And Laura Jean never told John Ambrose that she is now dating Peter, right? And then there is a scene where he is sitting by himself inside of the uh, um, convalescent home where both of them volunteer at and he's playing and the piano that he's the, the the melody he's playing is absolutely beautiful it's like something out of a brian mcknight song and you can tell he's just riffing and just kind of coming <laughs> up with it and then they have this tense emotional moment where he was like why didn't you tell me that you were dating she's like i don't know and all this stuff so like that whole lead up was so good and the tension was so palpable and then it gets ruined because <laughs> he says you know, before people called me John Ambrose, people called me John, but people called you Jean, oh. which is your first name and middle name. And so you call so me geez. John Ambrose. Oh, so I just yeah. wanted to be called John Ambrose too. So the reason why everyone calls me John Ambrose is because of you. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> just stop playing piano. Get the hell out of the room. And just, I, I, I wish they just like stopped. Oh man! But everything uh, leading up to that was so good. I guess, yeah, yeah, I get it though. Yeah, it's like, well, thanks for explaining to me why. <laughs> why John Ambrose? You, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> before you, they just call me John, and now they call me John Ambrose. What? <laughs> so even my favorite scene turned a little bit. What the f? Towards the yeah. end. Yeah. Mm, unfortunate. All right. So in terms of everything else, it would. If I, if I were to talk more about this movie, it would be a rehashing of what I talked about earlier. A great beginning, 
really convoluted middle um, with an unbelievable love triangle that didn't really get me going. And then by the end, it redeemed itself. Um, hmm. Now, what themes did I see from the movie? That feelings are never truly black and white. Nothing is set. Sometimes hard-earned revelations are met with deep uncertainty, and sometimes that comes right away. And facing those things, it's all a part of growing up. So that is my review, sir, of To All the Boys Part 2. I am e- I am just so eagerly waiting for the release of Part 3. But before we even get to that, I want to know what you thought of this movie, Will. Lay it on. All right. This is only going to take two minutes. So <laughs> what I liked, practically film was basically the same feeling i had with the part one it it just with just with a predictable twist it's funny that to say it's a predictable twist but it still held its own as a sequel what what was what was the predictable twist the predictable twist of the of the whole love triangle thing going on okay okay yeah that was just it was just like okay well we know where this is leading to and but anyways it 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 held its own as a sequel surprisingly uh, I thought actually it was a tad bit better uh, than the first because of the more compl- it, it just it just involved it threw in that little complicated love triangle issue. You know what I mean? Like I mean it's like g- give me some substance, give me something to work off of here now. Like you know and 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 when John Ambrose came in the circle, yeah, he may have not been the best choice as 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 a character or as the actor to to kind of build that that tension. But hey. I was like, well, I'm not going to, like I said, not have such high expectations again for for these kinds of films. Um, but I will say, holy crap, what I couldn't stand was freaking the dragging controversy between Jen and LJ. I was like, this is so stupid of, <laughs> of, of why. I get it. They're teenagers. Yes, I keep reminding myself. They're just teenagers. Teenagers have stupid issues. That, they're that, frenemies. You know, they're frenemies, whatever. Yeah, like it, it's just their naivety. They're young, whatever. So it's the part where once the situation of why they once they were, were friends back in middle school to now how they're not friends in high school. Like once that situation unraveled more, but will it Sorry, got go irritating? Ahead. It got irritating because behind Jen's issue with LJ. And and the chemistry of the tension, that 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 just came off as a Will. bit unbelievable. Will, I can... Will, Will. Peter was waiting for Jen in the hot tub. Come on, <laughs> what a revelation! <laughs> I was like, oh shoot, I did not see that, dude. Look, I mean, even to me for that, like, I didn't expect that. Yes, but you it, did. You you did expect that. No, 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 I didn't. Actually, okay. I didn't expect that. But it was still like, like okay, cool. Like There was a moment where I thought, whoa, yeah, okay, th- this actually height- heightened the, the, the whole situation. But the moment that, that LJ basically um, texts uh, Jen, can we meet at the treehouse to have a discussion? Like, oh, look at LJ, you know, being a very mature young woman to kind of figure this all out. But the cool when, thing about that is you don't know who she's texting. So you think she's texting somebody else. Sure. Like I thought, or, I fr- yeah. well, to me, yeah, to me in that moment, I thought it was going to be either because once, once uh, they revealed the whole hot tub situation, I thought, okay, she's, you know, 
they got they, they got some tricks up their sleeves in in, in the story in the storytelling of this. When she was texting, I thought it's either John Ambrose or Jen because those are the only two really? situations. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the only two situations left that that basically needed to be either um, confronted or fixed, um, just cleared, you know. And that then one of those things that would be fixed or cleared would then basically conclude the situation with peter you know what i mean because peter was the end result of is she still going to be with him or not with him blah 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 like that's that was the missing link of like the whole puzzle piece i guess in this story so it was either jen or john ambrose because they both involved peter you Mm -hmm. know it involved her love life so that that yeah but like i said couldn't stand the treehouse conversation it was like seriously, Jen, you are so freaking annoying. I'm sorry, and and her acting did slip for me a bit. I mean, I granted she didn't have so so much uh, screen perform uh, screen time in the first one, I would say, and and obviously more in the second one, and, and just like like her performance was a little underwhelming. Yeah. It was also she how she was written, I think. She was that two-dimensional high school kind of biachi character. Right, so. but but then again like for even for for LJ, uh Laura Condor's character like Lana Condor. Lana yeah. Condor's Lana, I'm sorry, Lana. Yeah. Uh even for her character, she brought such a presence, a a a, a, a like a natural ability which then I guess you're trying to say that Jen <laughs> I forgot the I don't know who what I forgot the actor's actress's yeah. name that plays Jen. You're basically saying she does not have that natural ability. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean, know. Their, their parts were written very differently. So yeah, that's true. And I just yeah. I, I you know I I I do believe that she could have brought something to the table. You know, mm. to really be that that antagonist, that yeah. the 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 temporary antagonist, obviously. Yeah. Um. It, in terms of like. Any favorite moments, you know, dude, Holland Taylor, you got, you can't, you can't not like look away. She's, I thought, I love her as an actress in general as well. She's been around the block and been so much, so much stuff and so much credit and everything. Yeah. Huge, huge resume, you know, of work. Uh, Her playing Stormy, because so LJ, obviously, she, uh, not obviously, but LJ and, and, and the students, they, um, go out and sign up uh to volunteer uh for like college i think it was for college applications right so they do this to to put on their college applications so lj basically signs up at a place called bellevue Mm -hmm. uh, which is a senior home which is the nicest senior home i've ever seen in my entire life by the way (laughs) stormy's room i was like what yeah (laughs) So, if that's where old people go to live, I'll live there right now. I, I mean, yeah. I'm turning 40. <laughs> sign me up. So, yeah. I mean, my favorite moment of just was like her performance is great. Her performance is good. always fun yeah. to enjoy to watch. Just that old wisdom yeah. and and also that that charm and that that just that sassy girl, you know, that mm-hmm. that, that never left her kind of thing. Um, yeah. What surprised me about this film? Nothing. Uh, other than that, I thought it was a tad bit better than the first. So another surprise for myself. <laughs> um, and and just 
overall like it's just the naivety of young love like it's just you know you're young you go through you go through things you go through uh what you think you know what you think you like what you don't like and um that's just the way i took it so i i I get like what why you didn't really enjoy the love triangle i understand like you because you looked at uh, lana condor's character to be more mature than her age right like yeah yeah and but at the same time it's like yeah they come off that way but we always kids exactly that's what we always come back to right oh yeah, yeah. i forget you're only 16 you know yeah. and we say that's that even point. in real life we say that in real life yeah. i've had that said to me when i was i remember when i was 17 and i would be hanging out uh at my uh my cousin's um uh beach house and whatnot and like he, he was like 11 12 years older than me and there would be like these 30 year olds and whatnot talking to me thinking that i was in my early 20s mid 20s and then when they realize like you're 17, wow, you're very mature for your age. I was like, oh, awesome! Like that's what I wanted to like keep with me. But at the same time, as conversations continued, and and there will be disagreements, they'll look at me and go, oh well, it's okay, you're 17. And that's when I'm like, oh no, you know. So it's it's that reality that that we know that we go through. In general. Let, let me let me ask you a question before we get to our final reviews here. Did you find that a lot of the characters were Equally, supporting characters were equally likable, more likable, or less likable than the first film. Now, I'm asking you specifically about, let's say, Kitty, who plays uh, Laura Jean's younger sister, and equally also equally likable. Yep. So for equally her, equally likable. Yeah, she was cute. She's she's adorable. And what about her best friend? Oh, um, LJ's best friend, right? Uh, yeah. She plays the cousin. Yeah. She she was equally likable as well. Okay. I I actually you know I I, sh- I should have mentioned this. Like yeah, her character was awesome. I thought she was so like just just that like sidekick, but that strong sidekick that that really okay. like rebel got your back, always got your support kind of girl, but not coming off like this. Um, actually, no, coming off similar to like Anne Hathaway. Uh, 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 her character in the prince, uh, the princess diaries, I think it was called. Yeah, like her best friend, right? That backup, like yeah. it, it was that kind of on part of that, that strong, yeah, yeah minded. It, it, it's uh, so funny friend. that you and I see the sequel very much differently because I felt like everyone I loved in the first film all of a sudden became a lot more annoying in this film. It's almost as if their magic kind of wore off a little bit. Even Not Kitty. To say, yeah, unfortunately, I have to say, I really loved Kitty in the first film. In this one, I didn't like her as much. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It's probably mm. me. Anyhow, she 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 grew up a year yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have just gone through our reviews of both to all the boys' films, and so it's now down to the final verdict. Will, sir, what did you think of to all the boys part two? What is your final review of the film? I you know I still give it. I still give it a three. I keep it on par with the first one. So, okay. Yeah. Got it. You and have Netflix people. If you have Netflix, look, it's not going to kill you. It won't kill you. Yes. Watch this movie because it will not kill you. <laughs> it might slightly kill you though. It sounds like. Or it it would, slightly did. It slightly did kill you. It sounds like. Uh, well, the second one is still watchable and enjoyable. So for, me, I will just say maybe we haven't been so clear as, as to the criteria for how we rate movies. Um, five is movie perfection. Four is, you know, best picture, 
material. Four and a half, of course, is best picture material. Three to three and a half are still recommendable movies. Two and a half is just like a borderline pass. Anything below that is not good and not something I can recommend. This just barely ekes in and gets a two and a half stars from me. It wow. lost a lot of the magic from the first film. I really didn't like the how the story turned LJ from someone learning to love again to someone now being irresponsible with her feelings. And at the end, though, I realized, like you, like we talked about, it's all a part of just growing up. They're kids, and as teenagers, we all have a lot. We all had a lot of growing to do. And you know, as much as I would like to think that LJ is older than her age in this film, obviously she's still a teenager, and that's that's not a bad thing. And maybe it's something that I need to kind of let go of, but barely passable for me. So it sounds like the first film was this perfect fantasy that came together. Yeah. And then the second one came back to reality that you didn't really enjoy. You wanted yeah. to keep it in the fantasy. Most of the times I watch a rom-com, especially a teenage rom-com and I'm rolling my eyes through half the movie remarkably through the first one, uh, the first to all the boys movie, I was enamored and caught up in it. And I just thought about how, you know, it, defied all my expectations and unfortunately the second one was like any other rom-com except there was a little bit of magic left over from the first one but am i looking to part three absolutely i will be watching that the day it comes out like you okay. will, will. La- you okay yeah yeah well no um no. <laughs> <laughs> quick question then yes. before we end this yeah top three guilty chick flicks go oh Okay, not in no particular order. By the mm-hmm. way, um, so here's okay. <laughs> you put me on the spot here. I have to say, a, a chick flick is a movie catered towards female audiences. I would consider okay. okay, Jer- okay hold sorry. on, chick flick or or like romantic comedies, j- just those kinds of films. All right, yes. Rom- if it's a romantic comedy, it doesn't have to be a chick flick. For example, sure, Jer- Jerry Maguire is my number two. Um, romantic comedy of all time, but it's not really a chick flick, right? So I mean, I guess for me, rom com right. kind of falls into chick flick. So all right. all right, if I had to name three off the top of my head, and if I can fit Jerry Maguire in there, I would okay. say How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, okay. Jerry Maguire, uh-huh. and number one, Untouchable, When Harry Met Sally. Done. Best, mm. best chick flick ever. Okay. How about all you, right. sir? Later on. All right. Top three guilty pleasures when it comes to chick flick slash rom coms. Uh Serendipity. Oh yeah. Good one. Yeah. Um About Time. Yes. That's, yeah. Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams always. Yeah. And I forgot the redhead guy's name. <laughs> Dom Gleason. Yeah. Yes. And the third one would be You've Got Mail. Ah, you know what? I haven't seen that movie. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Meg Ryan, you. Tom Hanks. I haven't seen the movie, dude. All right, you and Hannah. That's your next date night, okay. quarantine date night. <laughs> okay. All right. I think that in a future episode, I have to watch a movie that I haven't seen. That you're like, come on, man. And then you got to watch a movie that I'm like, you know, the same way. Like, come on, you, you haven't seen this. And then we should then offer a review of that movie. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, yes. man. You have to see this movie. <laughs> what no, accent is that's, that? That's what it sounded like when you said, come on, man. <laughs> I, I thought you were going for like a John Boyega type type accent here. But then I was like, what? Okay, no, that's, that's like uh, a. I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. 
I don't know what it was either. But if yeah. anyone if anyone wants to chime in and, and, and tell us what that sounded like, please okay. give us an email. <laughs> but, Will, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? I have. Jack yeah. Nicholson and um, no, Billy Crystal. Oh, I'm sorry. Billy Crystal That's not, no, 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 no. What was the one I watched with Jack Nicholson? Oh, oh, is it as good as it gets? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually. Oh, okay. I, that is a film I have to watch. Then I have not. Yeah. I don't remember watching that film. It's 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 magic. Okay, I yeah. will take your word for it. Okay, sweet. All right, so that was our review of To All the Boys Parts One and Two. Uh, forgive us if we went on a few tangents. We're just having some fun here. We hope you had some fun as well. Next week, we will be back with a review of the two most recent Safdie Brothers films. We will be going through Uncut Gems as well as their film with, you know, once again, we talked about it earlier, Rob Pattinson. Uh, he was in a movie called Good Time in which they directed. We will be reviewing both those films. And a good friend of Will's, Julian Cisneros, a great talented composer will be joining us and as a part of that episode we will be going through our top five uh, best original scores of the decade from 2010 through 2019 so hey tune in for that please tune in yep thank you guys for listening um covid19 we'll get through it together we got this people we're in this together this yes all right thanks for listening yes thank you take care (laughs) 